Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Righteous you are. Holy you are. You have done great things. You will not fail doing great things, Lord. You are here in this last day to finish the work. And we love you and we appreciate you, Lord. Oh, God, we can never express it enough how great you are, what you mean to us. You're our bridegroom, soon coming king. You're the Lord of lords and the prince of peace, king of kings. You're our king this morning. Maybe the world don't recognize you yet. Perhaps before you are recognized as a king of the earth, Satan will reign for a little while. Lord, you're the coming king. And we're preparing our hearts today to receive you. Your kingdom is already built within our hearts. We have received of your spirit, Lord. And we thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for the mighty works that you're doing among us. For what you promised that you would do. Lord, oh God, as we look toward the end, And we know, Lord, you that have begun this race will finish it. The battle that you started out, the battle that began in the heavens when Lucifer was thrown out, Lord, it will end. It'll end with the casting out of sea, the binding of him for a thousand years, a loosen for a little short season, and then the final destruction of all of our enemies. One day we'll look down into the pit as we see him fall. We'll see this one, this worm, this destroyer, this awful one that has caused so much grief and heartache. We'll see him just forever come to an end. But Lord, for us, there's no ending for us. There's an eternity ahead. Lord, we look away from this temporary life with its afflictions, with its troubles, with its trials, with the troubles that are going on in this world. We look away from that to the eternities from which we come. And we know we're being drawn back to where we come from. So Lord, let us be like the little dewdrop that comes down in the stillness of the night. Maybe it don't even know where it came from or how it got there. But it's there. In the darkness it came. But when the sun rose and shined upon it, it glistened and shined and shouts. Because it knows it's being drawn back to where it come from. And we know, Lord, there's a drawing of the Holy Spirit in our lives today that's drawing us back to where we come from. And like the psalmist said, Lord, as the deer that heart panteth for the water brook, so thirsteth our soul for thee, O God. Oh, as the noise of the water spouts, the deep calling into the deep. Lord, thank you that there's something in us to respond. I pray, Lord, that every soul today will be touched in your presence. 
be changed. Let your Holy Spirit just reign in our midst. I pray for the anointing of the Spirit to strike the word, Lord. Today, Lord, almost like upon a seer, scattered thoughts. Little fragments here and things we picked up there. Oh God, almost like loose ends that will need to be tied into one message and it'll take the Holy Spirit to do it. And I just pray today that you will anoint me by the Holy Ghost to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, to lay it out perfectly where we can see the day and the hour that we're living. Lord, I pray you'll bless your people, those around the world, those that are listening in, joining us by the way of internet, that are here even in the week to come or months ahead. May you touch their hearts today. May you change them in your presence. May you ripen them as the sun would come up on the grain. Take all the greenness, the immaturity out. And put in there, Lord, the full matured word of God. Today, we know the planting's almost over. We've come to the end of the teaching rain, Lord. We're here in the harvest cycle. I pray that you'll just move by your spirit now. Quicken the words that we speak and may they become spirit and life because that they are spirit moved and because the dynamics of the Holy Ghost comes upon the mechanics to make the word live. Let it live in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank you. Amen. We so appreciated the wonderful songs of Zion today and the rejoicing of the Lord and the good things that he has done and, and continues to do in our midst. And we're looking to him to minister to us today. And I want to say as I'm going into um, the subject that I'm going into today, it's... Um, it's, it's going to be a little bit um, of teaching that we will go into and that um, I want to kind of drop back as we've been preaching a little bit evangelistically and gathering some of these thoughts. And now I want to just kind of lay in some things of the word so that we can then build upon them in the weeks to come as God will lead us. And um, But this is for your edification, for your knowledge, for your understanding that you can solidly know where we're at in this hour. Because it's very important to know what God's doing right now. You know, hindsight, as we say, is always 2020. And, and yet, on the other hand, we have a lot of the world today that looks back and they can't see what God has done. They cannot see his works and the, and the manifold glory of what he's been doing. Uh, and they, they don't recognize the Spirit of God having moved uh, through a message in this last day. They have not seen the end time message, even though they look back, they cannot see it. But we can look it back and we can see it. But today, when we're looking at things, we're, we're wanting to see clearly now where we're at in this time. I think this is very important. Um, to to understand. So we're going to be speaking today on Sarah and the latter rain. So of our scripture, we're going to start with Genesis chapter 18. 
and we're going to look at verse 10. Now remember, we're using the types in the Bible to, to, that are shadows that um, can portray what is coming. So if you look at these types, a type is um, a shadow. If I could demonstrate a shadow, which I can't properly hear uh, right now, but if you look at a shadow, you can never see all, quite all the details. You can't see the, um, you cannot see of my, the shadow of my hand. You, can't, you can see there are five fingers. Uh, you can see one is a thumb of, of those fingers and you can identify different parts, but you can't see the fingerprints. You can't see um, the color. You can't, there's a lot of things there that are in the, um, in the true positive that cannot be seen in the negative. So, but however, you can get an idea of what is approaching by looking back and seeing the shadow. So we're going to be looking here again at Genesis. I'm just reading one verse, verse 10. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Something very important I want you to understand. Here is the son of man. Christ in angelic form standing there discerning the hearts of Sarah in the tent behind him. This is the last sign that will be shown, but it's not the last appearing because he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. So here he was there manifesting the sign, the son of man. He would be bringing a message and we'll go into that in a little bit about that. And, and, but then he says, but I'm going to return according to time of life. So there is a, even though that this is a manifestation of God, that there is a return promise. Turn with me to Joel chapter two, verse 23. These are what, Peter will refer to on the day of Pentecost, which actually will cover the last 2,000 years and again be very important for our day. So again, this is a prophecy of our day and, and it speaks naturally of Israel being restored and it speaks spiritually of a bride, which is the royal seed of Abraham who will be restored. So be glad then you children of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he shall cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month, and the floors shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. So now, let's look at that verse 23 one more time before, uh, while I want to get some thoughts to you right here to point out in this scripture, that he gives you the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. So here will be an unusual time because normally the former and latter rain don't come in the first month or the same month. But here he said in this outpouring, I'm gonna give you the former and the latter rain together in the first month. Now, then will you turn with me to Luke chapter 21, verse 29. And I want to point out some things here in this also. And he spake to them a parable. A parable, again, is a type. It is a shadow. 
It is a something that he's telling to represent something that is going to happen. So he uses figuratively and he says, look or behold the fig tree, but he don't stop there. And all the trees, somebody say that with me, all the trees. So now we're not just going to have the fig tree restored, but we're going to have all the trees. Now watch, when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is nigh at hand. Harvest time is coming. And so likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know you that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. God bless you. You can have your seats. We're going to now, um, just as I, as I said, I'm going to lay some things out in a very, um, you know, trying to uh, slowly and methodically teach some of this. We probably will not stick with teaching as we go along, but, and, and maybe some of this will be somewhat more evangelistic, but um, it'll be toward the end as I try to establish some things today that is that I have been studying and it's been on my heart, but it's something that I feel like the church should know as to where we are in time and what to expect where we are now. Now, we know that as the fig tree, Israel is firmly planted in her promised land and she's blossoming. And what is interesting, though, that in this same time frame of Israel's founding as a nation, the angel of God is appearing to Brother Branham, the prophet of God, and promising the, the soon return of Jesus Christ and, the, and that starting with the gifts of divine healing that he was now pouring out his spirit, making things ready for his coming. So watch now, things are happening simultaneously. As Israel becomes a nation, the angel of God is appearing to a prophet. And then notice then, as, he, as we say, in the same time frame, in, 1940, in the 1940s, the World Council of Churches is formed as it does the United Nations. So now you have things that are going on. Israel becoming united, becoming in their homeland. A move that starts to, to gather the bride, the elect, for the last day. It also begins with an angel coming. To a, to a prophet, and then we have the nations uniting, forming in politics, a united nation moving toward a one world government. And then we have the, the churches uniting, coming together in ecumenism. Now, um, even, and I, I wanna just say something about that just for a moment, because just because you do not yet see Maybe a big move in the World Council of Churches or National Council or uh, that the ecumenical spirit has already went through the land, gathering many of these. And Brother Bradham would tell us that, you know, that Satan has the mechanics together and it's only waiting for the dynamics to come upon the mechanics, Satan's mechanics. So he's already got things in place to bring about the, the persecution, which the bride will not be a part of because there's a rapture before the tribulation, but will come upon the world. And so they're just waiting for Satan with the dynamics. Now, let me just explain that for a moment. 
when, when the bride goes up, Satan is cast down. So, you know, simultaneously, the casting out of Satan is the going up of the bride. So you are a part of the ascension and Satan, of course, will fall. It'll be like the Bible said, I saw a star fall from heaven. So again, we're living in a time where it's just about over. The last member of the bride is being called. I believe that as the message goes out into the world. And when the last member of the bride comes in, the rapture takes place. And as she goes up, Satan is cast down. You find that in Revelation chapter 12, which we won't look at it. But anyway, we, we can see that um, there has been some things put in place, the mechanics put in place for the dynamics to come. Now, you see, as we, we are saying here that um, the, the fig tree has made its, has made its um, uh, put out its leaves and all the other trees are doing it at the same time. And this, was, this has been the planting rain or the former rain where seeds were planted for unity. A united Israel, united churches, united nations, and a bride united with the word, and ultimately with Christ, with the meeting in the air. Now, Brother Branham tells us in the message, look, he said, when you see the fig tree and all the other trees putting forth her buds, Israel returning as a nation, they are a nation. We see other trees, the Methodists have put forth, uh, put theirs forth, the Baptists having theirs, the Catholics having theirs, all the rest of them having theirs, the Pentecostals to Oral Roberts having theirs, and all the rest of them having their revivals putting forth its branch. Then know that the time is at hand. This generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. Now, I, I will admit, you know, down through time, we have been in a hurry to see things finished. And uh, we, you know, there's been many have that have declared, well, you know, Israel is in her homeland, so generations about 40 years, and, and so surely 40 years unto 48 uh, will make 88, and by that time, by, you know, that, that, this generation be passed away. And, and I want to just make it clear to you that people have thought that because that the United Nations recognize Israel being in her place and, and what, that this, that this uh, generation will not pass away. But I want you to understand it is not when Israel is recognized by the world as a nation. You see, as I said, United Nations recognized her in 1948, but, when it, but it's when God recognizes Israel as a nation. And that's when the gospel returned to the Jews, when they received their two prophets who brings them back to the original atonement. Now, I know they're making plans of another temple and, and they're going to have articles of sacrifice and breeding over a red heifer and all of this hype and hysteria over that. You know, I, I just say this, the blood of bulls and goats will never take away sin. 
So you see, what will happen is, is, is the two witnesses will not return them to the Mosaic or Aaronic priesthood, but they will return them back to the Messiah that they crucified 2,000 years ago because he is the original atonement and they will receive of his blood, his spirit, and when they do, they are sealed in 144,000 of them under their two prophets. Now that's when God recognizes Israel. And that generation will not pass away until all be fulfilled. But first, we, we got to understand types when we are going into this. I want to talk about types just for a moment. We have been preaching on Sarah and Abraham, and we've been typing and foreshadowing the end time. But a type can be used in more than one way and, and still be a true type. Understand that. It can be typed in, a, in several different ways. For example, you know, there, Brother Bradham types the bride as an espoused virgin. She's engaged and she's going to a wedding in the sky. And uh, then there's other times he speaks of her as already married, uh, the wife, and uh, already married to Christ. So you say, well, which one of these are right? Well, they're both right. It depends on how you're typing it in, in that instance. But what you don't want to do is mix the types. Because if you mix the types, you'll have the bride as an espoused woman already pregnant going to the wedding. So you got all the picture confused and clouded. So you keep your types running in a straight line. Otherwise, you get the whole picture distorted. So that's what we want to try to do today as we look at this because Brother Branham would actually use the former and latter rain as to type different things. And if you're a student of the message, and I want to just give you a a couple of sermons that you can go back and listen to. One is, uh, of course, the spoken words, original seed. It's Together, it's about a six, six and a half hour sermon to go through where Brother Branham is trying to tell us why he has done what he's done and why that, where things are at that moment in time. And, and uh, he explains his ministry and what it has been for. And um, then, uh, then there's others that he spoke on, like in the Holy Ghost series that he mentions things and also in the, in the sermon, Who Is This? in 1959. And, uh, and so if you want to listen to some of this, also following that is another sermon, Former and Latter Rain, where Brother Branham uh, is speaking about the former and the latter rain. Now, he is, he is looking at this as um, the rains, let's talk about them for a moment, the rains prophesied of in Joel 2 and of Peter on the day of Pentecost, it identifies the spirit falling as the promised rain. So when we look at former and latter rain, we know it's the spirit moving. It's the spirit watering something. It's the spirit doing something to accomplish a certain goal, to bring a certain, the church to a certain growth or to bring it to harvest as in the latter rain. So now in the anointed ones at the end time, he said that rain dropping down from the natural upon the natural vegetation of the earth is a type of the spiritual rain which gives eternal life dropping down upon the church for we call it we call it the former rain and the latter rain 
and it's a rain that pouring out God's spirit upon his church. So now we know then what rain is. It's the pouring out of God's spirit, but it's to produce a certain thing. Former rain is for a purpose. Latter rain is for another purpose. Now, of course, God promised in his word a time of restoration. And in one sense or application of the type, the former rain that fell on the day of Pentecost would come again as the latter rain upon an end time people. Thus, the book of Acts was the former rain of 2,000 years ago, and the continuation of the book of Acts in our day is the latter rain. That's one use of the type. Now, remember, we're talking about different uses of the same type, the latter rain. So we can look at it like that. Now, so the latter rain, of course, would be a double portion as it would be the same rain or portion of the Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost. So we know that the end time age is promised to be a latter rain for she is a continuation of the former rain that happens in the same season or the same 2,000 years of God dealing with the Gentiles. So now, let, but let's type it another way. Cause, and I don't want to confuse you with these types, but I, I want you to get because when Brother Branham uses them, he'll use them in different manners depending on how he's bringing his sermons or the points he's trying to make. And so Brother Branham looks back to the 2,000 years ago and he sees the ministry of Jesus. Now, he sees a ministry of Jesus like the former reign. And then the ministry of the apostles at Pentecost was the latter reign. So that once again in the same month or season, both rains would fall. But I want to remind you that that first age is the alpha age and we are the omega age and they are the same. What was in the alpha is in the omega. So we would know then that the last age mirrors the first age as the alpha is the omega. So we are to have the former reign or the ministry of Christ and the latter reign, the ministry of the apostles in the last age. So notice this, both the ministry of Christ and the ministry of the apostles in the same age. This is the age we're living in. Now, what happened there 2,000 years ago of the ministry of Jesus? It was followed by the ministry of Jesus in the form of the Holy Ghost and the apostles. And in a sense, again, as we look at the type, that both are the former and latter reigns. If you look back 2,000 years ago, they had two reigns. Peter on the day of Pentecost said that, you know, this is the pouring out of God's spirit. This is that. It was the latter reign coming after the former reign had come. Jesus had come with the teaching reign and, and, and we, in the former reign and showed the great signs and wonders and then he continues on and they have a latter reign on the day of Pentecost. So 2,000 years ago, they had former and latter reign. And again, I want to get back to your, remember, your remembrance. The alpha is the omega. So what they had back there, we have again in this last age, the ministry of Christ and the ministry apostle in the same age, in the same time. 
in the same season or as the Bible said in the first month. Now, so in this last day, the former and latter rain fall together and the ministry of Christ, the, the son of man and a prophet performing the sign of the Messiah, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. It showed that the full word was coming in the manifestation. And this would be um, the former reign followed by the same son of man, the same Christ, but now in bride form like the apostles had in their latter reign. Jesus was the former reign. The apostles was the latter reign. Now we look and we can see Brother Branham was the repeat of the ministry of Christ the former reign, and I want to show you this morning that he places himself as the former reign, but there is a bride that he introduces who are the people of the latter reign. Now, at first, when we, in 1959, Brother Branham is still believing at this point. He believes that the Azusa movement is the grain. He believes they were the seed. He believes that they were what it fell at the day of Pentecost. Um, and and uh, even though it was imperfect, and he said had a lot of fungus on the grain, that he believed that they indeed was the grain. But later he would say, but you know, it's like Matthew 24, 24, so close. It would have deceived the very elect if it were possible and he realizes that he has misunderstood. He has seen a shuck that has looked like the grain, but it is not the grain, but indeed it's just another stage of the wheat plant. It's a move of God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit, but it's not what happened at Pentecost 2,000 years ago. It indeed is a shuck, not the seed. Now, of course, he realizes this because he looks at it and says, well, look what they've done. They organize what they have. And when it organizes, the life leaves just like other movements have done since the Catholic Church. So it's been a cycle of revival and deaths. It could not be the original seed because it organized. The Azusa movement, we want to get this. The Azusa movement was not the grain. It was the shuck or the husk that the grain will come out of. But the Zeus of Pentecost so resembles the grain. What the true church is supposed to be with signs and wonders and genuine tongues and gifts of the spirit and acts of the Holy Ghost that, that Brother Branham thinks at this time that they are the original grain. Now, if you hadn't got it figured out yet, the message came to Brother Branham in a progressive manner. He was not God. He was not infinite, knowing all things. And upon, uh, up to the opening of the seven seals, he views the Azusa Pentecostal movement as the grain and the spirit falling on it as the promised latter rain. So he even calls that which happened in 1906 the latter rain. And it was commonly thought of all of them at that time, this is the latter rain. 
And in one sense, it was the latter rain because, you know, it was the move of the Spirit for the last day, the former rain being in the book of Acts and the latter rain coming in the last and Laodicean age. But notice, it will not be till after the seals that he realizes that although the Azusa Pentecost are part of the wheat plant, they are not the grain but the shock and, and they are the last stage of the wheat plant before the grain comes. Now, if we don't understand that, we better go try and be Pentecostals because then we think they're the seed. But when you realize they're not the seed, but the shuck. But they look so close to being like the seed. That's what, that's what I say a lot to a lot of these message churches today. When's the last time you look like Azusa Street? When is the last time that you had the moving of the Spirit and genuine tongues and genuine gifts of the Spirit and genuine healings and genuine miracles? Insomuch that you look so much like the book of Acts the prophet thought you was. Now, you know, again, again, in most, in most cases, as we bring it right down, I, I want you to understand the church of this last day will be a book of Acts church. That's what she is. Now, the spirit moves on them in such a real way. Upon the 1906 movement, it was a real move of the spirit. But it was moved in such a real way, it would deceive the elect if it were possible. And, and um, you know, so they are thought to be the grain. And the spirit that was falling on them was thought to be the latter rain. Now, as we look at this, then we want to understand if they were not the latter rain, then when is the latter rain coming? Amen. Amen. Now, and what is the Holy Ghost? Brother Branham tells us what it was given for. He said, the same life was in the tassel made the ear. It was a Lutheran church that made the Wesley church. It was a Wesley church that made Pentecost. But Pentecost, what is it? It is a restoration of the same kind of grain that went in the ground at the beginning, bringing back all the fullness of the power of Pentecost by the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the last days. So he looked there at Azusa Street and he said, this is the grave. I see here the signs of it. I see a baptism of the spirit. I see the fullness of power. I see the Holy Ghost moving upon them. This has got to be the grave. But I see there's a lot of fungus on it. There's something ain't quite right about it, but it's still the grave. And in the message, who is this? Brother Branham, again, is... He is declaring what is happening. And I want you to watch as he ties the latter rain and the former rain together, the ministry of Christ and the ministry of the apostles together because it's it's just beautiful how he brings it together. And uh, in this message, who is this? He says, a few years ago, the Holy Ghost went forth upon the people, believers, and it caused them to shout and to praise God and separate themselves from the things of the world and, and come out and be a separated people. Now, all of that is what the grain will be. 
A people that are separated people. A people who shout, who believe God. The Holy Ghost was poured out upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied and did miracles and signs. And he says, it was a latter rain falling. Now notice, he is still thinking this is a latter rain. He's still looking, this is the grain and this is a latter rain. And he says, now, but you notice, he didn't just leave it like that. But he said the former rain will come with the latter rain. And did you notice what the first rain was? Was his own rain, the rain of Jesus. After that come the rain of the apostles. And in this last days, both the rain of the apostles and the rain of the Lord Jesus. And he said, that's what making the people cry out, Hosanna to him that cometh in the name of the Lord. And the world asked, who is it? But the saints cry, Hosanna to him that cometh in the name of the Lord. It's the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God poured out upon the church in the last day to show signs and wonders. The church knows it. They're born of the Spirit. Watch how he did it. The latter rain come and then the former rain will come with the latter rain to confirm the latter rain was true. And the people said, the pe- them people are crazy. And they went out of, they're out of their mind. Well, they're a bunch of fanatics. And that's the same thing they said about him. They were mixed in their opinion. They didn't know what to do, but they knew something was happening. But watch, they called him when he came in the former rain. They said he was Beelzebub, a devil. How many times have you heard the people say that you, that they speak in tongues as of the devil? Haven't you heard it? Them people's crazy. Raise up their hands, shake, and speak in tongues and shout. They just don't understand it. That's all. Scriptures are fulfilled. This great gush that is coming now is only getting ready for the church ready for him. When he'll come riding on a white horse, they'll be assembled together in one accord in one place, and then will come the Lord Jesus. So I want you to see the prophet's expectation of what the latter rain produces. And even though that he's using the type of the latter rain here, and he's applying it to the Azusa revival, and later he'll recognize, oh, that was only the shuck, and that was not the latter rain. What is important to note is that he is saying that both the ministry of Christ and the ministry of the apostles will repeat with both the former and latter rain falling together in the last age. The last age will have the ministry of Christ and the ministry of Christ in the people, in a bride. Are you with me? The apostles all in the same last age. Now, we know already that that Brother Branham was that forerunner. We already know he introduced that Christ. We already know he had the ministry of Jesus Christ and he brought the word, amen? But we know also then if he again brought the ministry of Christ, then there also has to be a display of the ministry of Christ in bride form in the last age. Now, Joel 2, 23, remember they're falling together. He'll cause, he was giving you the former rain moderately. He'll cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. So it's important to note that the effects of the spirit, which makes Brother Branham think this is the latter rain, 
they were ascribed to this. He caused them to shout, praise God, separate themselves from sin, be a separated people, come out of the world. And the Holy Ghost poured out upon them. They spoke with tongues, they prophesied and done miracles and signs. It was the latter rain. This is what he expected the latter rain to be. Now, notice the former rain, the ministry of Christ, which is the ministry of the Son of Man, the Word, comes back with the latter rain in the same age to unite with it to prove that the latter rain is true. Now, and he adds, it'll take a born-again church to believe that. So, again, he said, the Holy Spirit has come into the church to give signs and discernment. I, I, want, you, I want you to stop. For a moment. You know, things get real common to us. We, we look and we, we hear Brother Branham, uh, as Brother Timothy so wonderfully brought out a lot of the discernment and things like that. And we hear Brother Branham, you know, and God is using him in a very specific way to discern the thoughts and the intents of the hearts. To call out people's names and tell their address and where they come from. And what do you know? This was a repeat of the ministry of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand it's unique to your day, as it was unique to Christ's day. Look, there was Elijah, there was Moses, there was Jeremiah, there was Daniel. None of them had that ministry. They were not, listen, they were not the word. They didn't know all things. But Jesus was the word and he knew all things. So it goes to show you when the word comes again in this day to show you the presence of the word. Amen. It'll discern the thoughts and intents of heart like it did Sarah in the tent behind him. Don't let this become common to you. I mean, we get used to it. And we think that that's just the way things are. No, we were seeing the ministry of Jesus Christ. We were seeing the word identified by the sign. That this is the message. Hallelujah, that this is the message. Do you realize in the Laodicean age that he makes himself known as deity as the amen? Is God putting an amen on a message? That this is the final word? This is not another message coming? This is the final message to the final age. And I want you to know we don't need to look for another. No eighth age, no eighth messenger, nothing beyond this. This is Christ in his fullness, revealing himself in his word. Now, so as we look at it, that as he said, the Holy Spirit is coming to church to give the signs discernment. Why do we know this right? Because it's the same spirit with the same action, with the same signs, with the same wonders, with the same power, and the same, all that that was in the early churches in this church, discernment of spirit, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, divine healing, powers. And then he said, why? It'll take a born again church to believe that. That's all I'm saying. Let me just repeat what he said. It'll take a born again church. 
to believe that. Now, in the sermon, who is this? Brother Branham is showing again that his, his ministry is the former reign. And remember, it was the ministry of Christ repeating. It was preparing the way for Christ to come in bride form in a book of Acts church. Now, in the message, who is this? The Pharisees said, who is he? Look, look, let's just take it from the context of Matthew 21, 19. Matthew 21, 19. And the multitude that went before that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? Now, Brother Branham in his sermon is answering who this is. What is all this noise about? You know what? It's, it's kind of a parallel sermon to the sermon in 65, but what is the attraction on the mountain? You see, they knew he was. He said this question today. When you see him come and stand in the meeting, the Holy Spirit, give a person enough faith to speak to another and hear and tell him exactly all about his life. What could do that? Whatever did do it. Never did until Jesus came and never has been since then. What is it? The former rain coming into the latter rain. Now, get an understanding. Not only, not only did Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all of them never have that same ministry of Jesus that would stand there to, at the woman of the well and said, you know, you've had five and the one that you're living with is not your husband and, and, and tell her all about her life. Are you with me? I mean, not, not only was it Peter, you know, he, he said, you're, 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 you're Peter, or your name is Simon, you're the son of Jonas, but I'm going to call you Peter. You know, it never had there been another, it had never happened before when, when you were praying under the fig tree, I saw you. Never had this ministry, even though they'd been great ministry. Let me tell you, we have had great men like Paul, Irenaeus, Martin, Columba, Luther, Wesley, all the way down to this last age. And never have we seen until this age the ministry of Christ repeat again. Why did he do that? To identify the word was present. Not that Brother Branham was the word, but he was bringing the word back. Again, there's a restoration of the word. Now, so he says, and the people called you crazy. The people that's called you crazy. Sometimes you just had to hold on with teeth and toenails, as we call it, trying to hold on what you knew is right. I think that, that kind of describes where we've been. Hanging on with teeth and toenails Amen, because you're trying to hold on what you knew is right. Now the Holy, he said, now the Holy Ghost has come right back around and confirmed with the former rain into the latter rain to prove it was his move and they're both falling together. I wish you could see that, the great move of God that started back 40 years ago back yonder when the latter rain began to fall. The former rain, the former power that started with Jesus Christ has come into this church and proven he is the same Jesus Christ. And, he, and, and then again in his prayer, he says, we know that Jesus is on his road and we begin to congregate ourselves to the gate, the gate of the power of God. Those who believe in God, those who are born 
have the Spirit, those who have the Holy Ghost, they know that the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God and that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he cannot change his nature. And when God comes into people, it makes them believe for the impossible. It produces the same kind of fruits that the former rain produced because it is the former rain mixed with the latter rain and the world cries out, who is this? So he's identifying now who this is and what is taking place. And, and so he said he's the same Jesus that was back there 2,000 years ago in the former rain when a woman touched his garment. The former rain was falling. Now, as he finishes this sermon, he, he affirms again that this unique ministry like Jesus had that has not been seen in a continuous ministry since the days of Christ, that it is the former rain. And with it will come the latter rain. That we're not just gonna just have the former rain and not have a latter rain to follow. So he, he is discerning now. And he said, here's two men sitting right here looking at me, right back there. One looking sideways. He was sympathizing with the prayer line. The other was looking up like that with his eyes closed praying. Your prostate trouble has ceased, sir. You that raise your hand just stand just because you believe. Put your hands on the man next to you, the elderly man there. He has a sinus trouble that's bothering him. That's right, sir. That's right. Raise your hand and go home, both of you, and be well from your trouble in the name of Jesus Christ. And he said, what is it? It's the former rain coming into the Pentecostal move as the latter rain being poured out together in the last day. God said he would do it in the same month. So I want you to see the prophet's expectation that with the former rain, there has to also be a latter rain. Now, again, the former rain is discerning the thoughts and intents of heart. It's showing the presence of the word. But it is making the way, and we'll get into it in a minute, it is planting the seed for a harvest to come. Now, so again, you know, he goes into it, he says, he said, how do you do? I'm a stranger to you, not to him, but not to him. We both know him because you're a Christian, sister. If I could help you and wouldn't do it, I'd be evil, but I cannot do no more than surrender myself to the will of God and let him speak. What he says, you have an allergy, a spasmodic intestinal colon. The doctor said, that's right, that's your trouble. You believe with all your heart. If you, thou canst believe, all things are possible. Miss Andrews, that's right, you're from Oakland. Now go home. It's finished. Jesus Christ makes you well. Could I do that? No, certainly I could not. It's the Spirit of God. And that's the reason the world says, who is this? It's the devil. And that's what they said about him He's Beelzebub, he's a fortune teller. And let me tell you, that's what the world still says about this message. That Brother Branham was just a fortune teller or he was, you know, operating. Some, some will say it was a real spirit of God, but he just didn't know how to teach. And others will say, well, no, it wasn't the spirit of God. It was a devil upon him. That's why he got off the word. And, and they don't recognize who it is. 
because they're exactly like they were 2,000 years ago. Some saying he's a fortune teller. Some saying he's, you know, that he's a Beelzebub, that's chief of the devils. But then there's others saying, no, this is a Christ. Hallelujah, this is the word. This is a message. I happen to be speaking to some people this morning that know this is the message. Amen, and we are saying, Hosanna, the Lord is coming. The Holy Spirit is bearing record of his coming by putting the former rain into the latter rain that we believe. So he goes on in these, in these things and talks about it, you know, and, and I, I'm not gonna go through all of them, but he, he deals with this again and Mary's belief, be not afraid, and after and, and several ones as he does. But then here comes the book and the book is opened. Before the book is open, he's probing at the book like everybody else. But when, listen, I, I want to say something. If the seven thunders revealing the seven seals to Brother Branham, that's the voice of God revealing the seven seals. If that, if, you know, if, if that didn't happen to Brother Branham, he was not the seventh angel. In order to be the seventh angel of Revelation 10, 7, he had to hear the voice of God revealing the seals, the mysteries that are contained in the book. And by you being able to receive it shows that you are the people of the book. Just like Israel being able to recognize their place in the homeland, the people of the book have returned to the land of the book and the same thing has happened in our day. You, the people of the book that was prophesied in the Bible, hallelujah, have returned to the land of the book. And now every promise in this book is your promise. Hallelujah, don't matter, healing, miracles, signs, wonders, gifts, amen, mysteries revealed, whatever it is, it's all your promise. It's your land and it's for your taking. Now, but when the seals are open, Brother Branham has a different viewpoint of Azusa Street. Because now he sees them as a move of God, yes. As a part of the wheat plant, yes. But not the grain. What a shock. And they're not the long-awaited restoration that has been promised. So we already know already Azusa Street is not the latter rain. No more than they are the original grain. Now, they, of course, believe they are, which is why they call themselves Pentecostals, because they believe they are the Pentecostals restored. But I'm looking at you today, and I'm saying, no, you are the true Pentecostals restored. I'm looking out this morning at a book of Acts church. 
Now, so again, he realizes they're not the seed, but the shuck. And that they cannot, I want to get this, they cannot carry the restored word forward to the rapture. No more than you can go pick a bunch of shucks and harvest them. It's the grain that is harvested. But they cannot carry it on to the rapture, but rather they will reject it. And the seed will not be heir together with the shuck. Now, yet he saw that the great commission had to be finished. And I want to drill this in for a moment. The great commission, Brother Bannon would tell us right to the end of his ministry that, that the apostolic age has not ceased and that the great commission is in effect. Amen. And it has to be finished. Now, it was 1965 in November, and Brother Bannon is about to leave. Like I told you, I read a book on John F., uh, no, Abraham Lincoln by O'Reilly. And, and he, would, he would take the last 10 days of Lincoln's life, and a man that was to live nine more days, done this and this and this. Made me think of Brother Branham. What was God trying to impart to us in some of those last messages before he would call his prophet home? And, and here in 1965 in November, he preaches a sermon and he said, I'm, I'm doing this. This is out of the ordinary for me. But Brother Jack has um, you know, always given me an open pulpit and said, preach what you want. And I'm really going to take my liberty and I'm going to preach to my church today. The people that believe my message. And he preaches a sermon, the invisible union of the bride. And he says, here, he, was, as he, he says, the great commission had not been finished. And he says, it can't be done. And let me just say, it could not be done until the original gospel of Jesus that Paul and the apostles preached was restored. You know, again, when you, you have the gospel, the gospel according to the Baptists, the gospel according to the Pentecostals, the gospel according to the Methodists. But we had to come back to the original gospel to be restored in order to finish up the Great Commission. Because a Baptist gospel is not going to do it. A Pentecostal gospel is not going to do it. It'll take the original gospel to be preached again and restored to the church in order to fulfill the Great Commission. And that couldn't happen until a prophet messenger came. Because the word of the Lord never comes to theologians. The word of the Lord comes to a prophet. It is not a reformer. It had to be a prophet. And to be a prophet, he had to be a seer. And as a seer, he could see what was in the word by divine revelation rather than seeking it out in a theology. His theology out in a in, in a seminary. Now, 
So he saw, he, he was emphatic. Now, I want to go this for a moment. In Mark 13, 10, the gospel must be first published among all nations. Published also means to preach, to be taught, to preach. In, verse, uh, in Mark 16, verse 15, here is the great commission, and this is what has to be finished. Look at your neighbor and say, this has to be finished. All right, and he said unto them, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Brother Branham is insistent in his, men, in his ministry. He said, it's never been done. They have not yet been able to do it. We are here in a day and hour where it's being done. Understand, the Bible tells us at the end time that travel and knowledge shall be increased and travel will be vastly increased. Right now, my voice is going across the world and in real time, they're hearing it over in South Africa. They're hearing it over in, back, in dark Africa. They're hearing it in Asia. They're hearing it around the world in other states throughout the United States. And, and, and you know, why? How come? It is where, you know, rather than me getting on a boat and, and taking a six-month journey to China, right now it's so vastly increased my image, my voice, is going across the airways of the world. Come on. Amen. And the gospel is being preached around the world so the end can come. It could not happen until this day and God would even make sure this message got caught on magnetic tape. Amen. So it could be available to the whole world. Come on, church. Because God is determined that the great commission be fulfilled. And I want to read you the great commission. And he that believeth and baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is the great commission, the gospel priest with power, with demonstration. Not just a theology passed along. Matthew recorded it. In this way, in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. How many wants the end to come? Amen. We're living here. Understand, you, in your own way, are a supernatural people. Things that was science fiction 75 years ago now our reality. Dick Tracy with his watch, with his, you know, all the other stuff. I, I never followed him, but nevertheless. You know, with all the, you know, the science fiction, we are now living it. We advanced into time and God has brought this about 
allowing knowledge to increase so this gospel could go into all the world so the end could come. Now, let me just tell you, it'll reach every predestinated seed. That's the important thing. It ain't, it ain't that every person in the world will hear it, but every predestinated seed will hear it. So Brother Branham says in Invisible Union, we know that the modern church in its present condition, its present state, state is in no condition to finish up the great commission that God gave the church for this day. So God has given for the church in this day the job of finishing the great commission. And he said, the church can't do it. Now, he said the reason, he said, he said, we're oneness, we're trueness, we're threeness, we're this, that, or the other. We fight. One is this, one is that, one is the other. Every one of them are afraid to face the word right down to the test. So he further states that there has only been reformers to the last, the past six ages until the seventh age and and that Revelation 10 said it would change. For in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he begins to sound, the mystery of God would be finished and it would take a prophet to finish the mystery, not a reformer, but a prophet to bring true restoration. In the sermon Invisible Union, he asks the question, how many How many of the denominations or how could the denominations finish it up? That great commission, the life it left, the stock. It's now in the grain. God let them die, he said, so he could open the seven seal mystery to to the undenominational bride. Why did we have to be an undenominational bride? Because denominations set up their, their fences. And they set up their book of creeds and they put a period to it and you can't go beyond it so it would have to be taught whatever the headquarters say. That's why we answered at no headquarters. Amen. Our headquarters is glorious. It's not in Jeffersonville. It's not in Tucson. It's not in Cloverdale. It's not in Happy Valley, which ain't Happy Valley no more. It's unhappy Valley because they've left become word of life. But it's not there. That's not our headquarters. Our headquarters are in heaven. And it had to be given to an undenominational bride. And he said, because how could a denomination accept the opening of the seven seals when the mystery truths of the Bible like serpent seed is contrary to their dogmas and their articles of faith? You know, they'd rather believe that a magic apple is what Eve ate. And she got it from a talking snake. They'd rather believe some fiction story. Come on. Amen. You, but, but the truths of the Bible that we have received have been restored is contrary to what is taught in their halls of learning. That's why God could not send a trained theologian. You know, people say, well, Brother Branham was uneducated and he, uh, he, he, wasn't, um, he wasn't a theologian. Praise God. If he was a theologian, we'd still be in the mess we were. 
like the other 40,000 denominations out there that have formed on different views of 40,000 different theologians. But God sent a prophet. And he confirmed it with signs following with the ministry of Christ that we could see that God was saying amen to the word that was being brought so that you would know what is the truth. Because how else will you, you would spend a whole lifetime going through 40,000 different denominations to discern which one was right. And God did it for you by vindicating a message so that you would be without a doubt, no doubt, this is God. Only God can do this. And if God knows my heart, if God knows my name, and God knows where I come from, then God can take a prophet all the way back to the back part of his mind and show who you are and what is promised for this age. So that's why God would send, not a trained theologian, They had to be revealed also to a bright elect of people outside of denominations because denominations would not receive the word. Therefore, they could not take it to the world. Can you depend on the Baptist church to take baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and one God? to the world? Can you depend on the Trinitarian assemblies of God to do that? Then who's going to do it? Who's going to take the truths that have been restored? Listen, I want to get something clear to you. These are not new truths. What we believe is not some Mormon doctrine that we had to write another Bible to be able to work it in. What we received in this day was the gospel that Paul preached, that Jesus preached, that Peter preached, restored again and vindicated by the Holy Ghost that this is the original word. They can never take it to the world. And the Great Commission has to be fulfilled. The gospel had to be restored. The gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul preached. The taking of the the gospel, though, is not in word only. That's only half of it. It must also have the anointing. Let's go back and look at the original gospel as Jesus preached it. Matthew 4 and verse 23. And Jesus went uh, went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching in the the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manners of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. Notice, he preached and healed. Notice this, all manner of sickness, all manner of diseases. So Jesus' ministry was not, it did not just come with a theology. It came with power. This was the original gospel. 
Verse 24 says, and his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those that were possessed with devils and those that were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. This is the gospel. This is the great commission to preach this gospel. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 to 33, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And John would wonder if he's truly the Messiah. Are you truly the one? While he's in jail, his old eagle eye got filled over, filmed over. In Matthew 9, 35, and Jesus went about all the cities of then the villages and teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel, healing every sickness and disease among the people. And then, and then the Bible said that, you know, he said, go tell John. He, tells, he said, go tell John. Listen, the sick is healed. Amen, devils are cast out. The poor has the gospel preached to them. Come on, church. This is why he said, you know, this is the gospel being preached. Notice in Mark chapter one and verse 27, they were amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commandeth even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. Wow, his doctrine had power with it. It wasn't just a cold creed, a powerless gospel. Come on, somebody. I mean, some people are sometimes afraid of uh, coming to the youth camp because they hear devils get cast out. You better, you better believe they get cast out. But that ought not be something strange. Amen, that shouldn't be something that shocks people. Oh, there's devil's cast out there. We may not want to go to that meeting because we don't know about the strange thing. That's the gospel. Hallelujah. That's why I say the principal job of the church ought to be casting out devils. When people are saved, devils are cast out. Their mind isn't changed by psychology or by some teaching that they conform. Devils are cast out and their nature is changed. When people are healed, devils are cast out. When cancers leave, devils are cast out. That's the job of the church. Matthew 20, uh, 7, 28, we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about the gospel, the great commission, the great commission. And it came to pass when Jesus ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Oh, wow, he, he, he really, boy, he's really deep, ain't he? He, he, he's, he man, he's, he, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm a little more confused than I ever was. You know, it's so deep, it's over my head. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes who just read quotes. 
verse 32 of Luke 4. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Go back to the Great Commission, verse 15 of chapter 16 of Mark. He said unto them, go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, that he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Oh, Brother Tim, we're not to seek sign. He didn't say we would seek signs. He said they would follow us. And if there's real believers, signs are going to follow real believers. Now, let me explain something. Just so that you don't get everything out of, you know, askewed or messed up. Brother Branham has asked a question by Florence Shakarian. Brother Branham, I fast and I pray and I fast and I pray and I still can't cast out devils. He says, sister, you wasn't called to cast out devils. You were called to fast and pray while others cast out devils. Then he answers a question in question answer 64. Will every believer do this? Or is it among believers? He said, I like that. It's among believers. No, every believer doesn't do this. But it's among believers. So if we are real church, that's going to be among believers. Maybe you never will have the gift of speaking in tongues. You may never speak in tongues in all your life. Some people never do. But I tell you, the prophet of God said, if you lay under the altar of God long enough, sooner or later you will. Some of you just hadn't laid under the altar of God long enough. And if you did, you would. Amen. Well, it's not the sign of the Holy Ghost. No, but it's one of the signs of the Holy Ghost. Is one of the signs that follows in believers. They will speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it'll not hurt them. I tell you, you need that scripture more than ever. Every time you take a, a pill or even an herb or a vitamin, you're taking some kind of poison into your body. Come on, somebody. And you're gonna you're gonna need a lot of faith to go with what you're swallowing down. That's why I say, you know, oh, you you take treatment for cancer, that's fine. There's no problem with that. The Bible said if we took something deadly, it wouldn't hurt us. Pray over every dose of it. Amen. Now, you see, they shall take up serpents. They drink any deadly thing. It'll not hurt them. They lay hands on the sick. So every time Jesus commissioned and sent them out, even before the Holy Ghost came, in Luke chapter 9 and 6, and they departed and went into towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. Romans 5, 15, 19, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to 
Illyricum, I, I, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. So to fully proclaim or preach the gospel of Christ, it has to be not in word only, but through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit. I'm trying to get you to understand. There's a bride in this last day that has a commission to fulfill. Don't be satisfied with just being a bench warmer and a denominational church member. That's why, that's why sometimes we encourage you just get enough steam to let it out the whistle. At least you got some steam. Some people have been dead for years. They only come to this church as an observer. They're not a participator. They're backslid, dying right on the pew. Oh, I know you don't like me to preach that way, but that's your problem. You're dead. You need a filling of the Holy Ghost. You need the power of Christ to come in your life and charge you. Give you a passion. Give you a drive on the inside of you. Amen. Give you something that responds to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 4 and 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. Oh. 2 Corinthians 3 and 6, who had made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter but of the spirit, for the letter killeth but the spirit giveth life. So we are ministers of the spirit, not ministers of the letter. I just read it to you. When we have letter only, you kill the spirit. You see, Satan wants to get in the church and make it all mechanics and no dynamics or all dynamics and no mechanics. That's the way he wants to do with your life. Make you just one or the other. A bird with one wings can't get off the ground. It takes spirit and truth. Amen. Now, so to fulfill the great commission cannot be with word only. Well, Brother Tim, we got the message. We got the theology. We got the original doctrine. Hallelujah. Amen. We do. But yet the gospel must be taught and preached and yet it's not truly preached until it's demonstrated. Amen. Mark 16, verse 20. And they went forth after receiving the great commission. They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Hello. Somebody said, well, we don't need the word confirmed anymore. It's already been confirmed. Every time the word is preached, it has to be confirmed that this is the word. And that happens with souls being saved. Come on. Amen. With devils being cast out. The sick healed, the dead raised, the blind eyes open, everything else that the Bible says. So now, by the time of the seven seals, Brother Branham realizes what he saw in the Azusa movement, though it looked like the latter rain, was not the latter rain. And what he saw there that looked like the grain was not the grain. And then he tells us in the resume of the ages, He said, this age started just around the turn of the 20th century. 
as it was to be the age in which the true church would return to being the bride she was at Pentecost. And we know, we know, there must of a necessity be a return of dynamic power. So to be the bride she was at Pentecost, there has to be of necessity a return of the dynamic power. The believers sense this in their spirit, begin to cry out for God for a new outpouring as, as it was in the first century back 2,000 years ago. And what seemed to be the answer? Oh, they thought this was it. Came as many began to speak with tongues and manifest gifts of the Spirit. And it was then believed that this was indeed the long-awaited restoration. And it was not. For, it, for the latter rain can come only after the former rain, which is the spring or teaching rain. So it couldn't be the latter rain. Because he said the latter rain is the harvest rain. And how could this be the real thing, the latter rain, when the teaching rain had not come? For he says the prophet messenger who was sent to teach the people and turn the hearts of the children back to Pentecostal fathers had not come. Thus, what was thought to be the restoration and final quickening to the rapture had not come. And then in it was a mixture of unrighteous partaking of spiritual blessings. And then to prove it wasn't real, he said, for, this, for the next generation they organized. So this proved it was not the grain. Now, what a disappointment. What a disappointment. The, but then what a, what a revelation. The latter rain had not come. Because before the latter rain could come, there had to come first the teaching rain and only after the teaching went forth could the latter rain come. So the latter rain follows the message of Malachi 4. And can only come after our hearts are turned back to the faith or the original doctrines of the apostolic fathers. And once returned to the gospel, then the great commission has to be finished. Not with just teaching, but with signs following and God going with them, confirming the words. The commission cannot be fulfilled with just having correct doctrine. Or correct theology taught. It can only be fulfilled... It can only be fulfilled when signs follow the believers. Notice, let me just read a couple of these. After a short and powerful demonstration of this spirit, this little hunted and persecuted group will go to be with Jesus. This is the age in which the true church will return to being the bride she was at Pentecost. We know there must of necessity be a return of dynamic power. The original church with the power at Pentecost, with the power of God, Mark 16 in action, is the true church that Jesus claims is his own. All else is fault. Christ and the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. It is also a fact that the prophet of the last age must be bringing forth a message from God that will forerun the second coming of the Lord. For by his message will the hearts of the children be turned back 
to the Pentecostal fathers and with the restoration of the word will come the restoration of the power. What the church had at Pentecost is her inalienable right. Originally, she had the pure word of God. She had the power of the spirit manifested in diverse signs and wonders and gifts of the Holy Ghost. So the Azusa movement, although a movement of God was just more of a a reformation, the restoration can only come through a prophet restoring the word. Amos 3 and 7, let's put that up. Remember, this is a cornerstone scripture to understand. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secrets to his servants and prophets. Never theologians, never halls of learning, never your favorite Bible college. Amen. The only place that he reveals his secret is to his servants, the prophets. That's why the last messenger had to be a prophet. Revelation 10, 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he had declared to his servants, the prophets. So all the prophets have declared that comes a day that the mysteries of God would be finished. You see, actually, Abraham and Sarah were prophesying of it. Isaac would also, and Rebekah would prophesy in their time. Jacob would prophesy it. We could just go down through the Bible, whether it be that of Enoch or Noah or any of the prophets were prophesying of this last day. So now notice here, you see, but all of them were saying there's coming a time where the mystery of God would be finished. Right now, Abraham would say, it's only in types and shadows, boys. But one day, the real's coming. Now, so he said, I want you to notice carefully here, God has promised that in the end time, Malachi 4 is going to be fulfilled. It has to be, for it is a spirit-quickened word of God spoken by the prophet Malachi. Jesus referred to it. It is just before Christ comes the second time. By the time Jesus comes, all scripture must be fulfilled. I want you to get that down under your fifth rib. By the time Jesus comes, every scripture speaking of a bride has to be fulfilled. Whether it be Esther, whether it be Rebecca, whether it be Mary Magdalene, whether it be the book of Acts, Come on, somebody. Every prophecy, come on, you got to start looking at the Bible. It's speaking of you. It's not just our history. It's talking about you. Abraham was the prophecy. Sarah was the prophecy. You're the fulfillment. was the prophecy but you are here at such a time as this hallelujah to go before the king Esther realize who you are you're the queen you're not going to be rejected go boldly before the throne of grace hallelujah go before the king Esther you're the queen realize who you are you are here for such a time as this
going to hold out the scepter. He's going to welcome you into his presence. You're not going to be rejected. You're not going to be thrown out and condemned to die. Come boldly before the throne of grace. You know, who is this Melchizedek? He's the high priest. Approach him. So you see, Brother Branham talks about all scripture must be fulfilled. The Gentile dispensation will be in this last church age when that messenger of Malachi comes. He will be right with the word. He will take the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. He will start at the serpent seed, that's all the way in Genesis, and carry on to the messenger in the latter reign. He will be rejected by the denominations. Notice, he says, how could the, how could the Azusa revival be the latter reign and final quickening to the rapture when the teaching reign had not come? The prophet messenger who was sent to teach the people and turn their hearts back to the Pentecostal fathers had not yet come. So you you can see he was the forerunner and he said the second forerunner will sow, the second forerunner of Christ will sow for the latter rain. All the teaching he's doing is sowing seeds so when the latter rain comes, it brings them to harvest. So Brother Brandon preaches a six-hour sermon. I promise not to do that today. But I may preach a third of it. But he preaches a six-hour sermon on the spoken words of original seed and explains where he stood and he says, what my mission is to the world. And he said, my mission, I believe that God has called me for. I have some personal things today because that's what I told you I would do and tell the world. My mission, I believe, to the world is what? To forerun the coming word. The coming word, which is Christ. And in him, in Christ, in him has the millennium and everything right there because he is the word. But I want you to understand, the word, the coming word would not just be theology, but it would be Christ in bride form. Look back 2,000 years ago. Christ came in the groom form and he was the word. So in the last days, Christ comes in bride form who is the word. Amen. The message ain't books and tapes, folks. The message is a people. They are the word made flesh. They are the ones who prophesy again after eating the prophecy, eating the book. We've had the coming of the seventh angel. We've had his message. You're not gonna like this. Some people won't. But Brother Bradham came to forerun your coming. He come to forerun you. Prepare the way for you. For Christ to come in bride form. 
Listen to him in spoken words for original seed. As the end time prophecies will repeat, I believe as the first forerunner came from the wilderness and cried, behold the Lamb of God, the second forerunner will probably do the same by pointing the people to a word-born bride. So the first one pointed out the groom, said, behold the Lamb of God, come on. And he turns and and the last forerunner will do the same the first forerunner did. But this time he will point to a word born bride. A bride who's been born of the word. So he forerun your coming. He was prophesying there's a bride coming after me. It's Christ. But it's in bride form. Don't look for him in nail scars. Don't look for him walking down the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Don't look for him in that manner. Come on. Here's what you want to see. You want to see Christ is the mystery of God revealed that all that God was, he poured into Christ and all Christ was, he pours into a church. And that the church now is the mystery of Christ revealed. Why in the world did God do everything he's ever done to get a bride? Why did he make a world? Why did he make the heavens? Why did he come to earth? Everything he's ever done is because of you. And he predestinated you would be here at this time to fulfill all prophecy. As we stand in the water, the word coming to the prophet. Come on, somebody. And the Spirit of God coming down as we declare it becometh us to fulfill all prophecy. A people who the the word and the Spirit rest in. Oh, wow. That clock's too busy. Listen, Brother Branham would preach a six-hour sermon the spoken words original seed. If you'll go back and listen to it and just take it paragraph by paragraph and listen, just pour over it for a moment. He's preaching that the original seed was Jesus Christ. He's the word. So the spoken word is the original seed. And Christ came in order to be the original seed that every other seed would come through. And he said there, he, came, he was a seed. He had the moisture, the spirit within him. He was both spirit and word. And there at Calvary, he poured out his life or his spirit in order to give life to the word. To ever spoken word of God has to come to life by the reign of God. And this is what he's talking about, that Jesus was the original word, John 1 and 1. So he was the original seed, and from him came the spirit or the word to, uh, or, or the, the, excuse me, came the spirit or the water to germinate every predestinated word of God. And he said, when, when Eve sinned, it caused every one of you to be born illegitimate, we look around sometimes, that bastard child ain't gonna make it a rapture. Well, you're the bastard child. You were everyone born in sin, shaping in iniquity, came in the world in an illegitimate manner. You were born to die. Every person born in this world will 
if they were born of the sexual birth. But Jesus came to breed out that high breeding that Eve did and give you a new birth. And this time you're not born another human. You are born a son or daughter of God. Amen. And to be born of the water and the spirit. Come on now. Birth like you like you should have been at the beginning. Hallelujah. That's what the Holy Ghost did. It undone your natural birth. And you're not a hybrid bunch. You're not a bunch that's going to die. You cannot die because you're of the original seed. Hallelujah. And there, that original seed, the spoken word, God spoke a seed into existence. Jesus Christ. So out of him would come the life to water every other seed of God. To birth you like you should have been born in the beginning. So now, when you're born again, you are not born of corruptible seed, but of the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. You are the spoken word. You are the original seed. Now, that's why the word had to be planted. Now, Brother Branham tells us, if we want the true church, then he says, you have to start with the word of God. You want the life of God? You got to start with the word of God. You accept the word in its fullness. Every measure of it, that's the fullness of God in you. Then the rain that's falling will produce what's in your garden. This is why the word had to be planted first. In order to bring forth a word bride who is the original seed. Understand? So the word had to be planted first. So the mystery truth had to be restored first. Now, in other words, there had to come a planting of the word before, and, and that would go forth in the former rain. There in the, in the former rain, it comes there, and it comes as, as truce. It comes as the word vindicated. But notice then, it is only whatever's been planted is what's going to come up in the latter rain, is what's going to manifest. Now, so if you want the word, then you got to, if you want a word bribe, you got to start with the word. That's why if you started with Pentecostalism, if you started with baptism, you're only going to get whatever you planted. That's why the word had to be restored because if all we had was a Pentecostal word, we would just in the latter end get more Pentecostal children. Amen. But if you plant the word, then there's a word coming forth that'll be just like the original seed, which is Jesus Christ. Now, you only get what you plant. You can't plant, you can't plant weed and expect cucumbers. The word must be planted because you can only get a harvest of the word if you plant the word. If you hybrid it, it's dead. That's why 
We do not want to mix denominationalism with the message. That's why we don't want, are you with me? We don't want psychology preached to fix our problems. Because that's all denomination has is the thinking of man of how to change the mind of man to how to reform a man. This is not a reformation. This is a transformation. And when you go and you mix the creeds of man and and the methods of denominationalism with the message of hybrid and it'll never bring forth the original crop. That's why you can have all your sessions you want to of teaching men how to behave themselves sexually. It ain't gonna do any good. You gotta have a nature change. But God's predestinated a bride, a people. They will have the mind of Christ. In other words, they will think like him. They will agree with the word. They will not disagree with the word. They will be like... They will be exactly like they were those predestinated seeds, the apostles, predestinated seed of God. They had been taught the word of God. Somebody help me preach. The gospel had been taught to them by Jesus Christ himself, but they hauled themselves up into the upper room because the seed had been broken open to release the moisture, the rain, to come down on them. Here come the latter rain upon them to put in them the very life of Jesus Christ to repeat the same thing that he did in bright form. So the same thing has to happen to you. You've got to haul yourself up to the upper room, so to speak, and let the same life that was in Jesus come in you. Amen. Then it will, the word of God will manifest itself. Now, let me quickly kind of sum this up. He said, You know, we've had a sowing rain. He said, Billy Graham has went forth with the Baptists for the evangelicals. And he said, he sowed his seed. He's been a head planter. And he said, now there's just kind of coming a lull in the revival. You don't hear very much of him. Oh, Roberts, he said, same thing. He's been the head planters for the Pentecostals. And he's planted the Pentecostal seed. Do you realize out of that little mission work of the Azusa Street Revival, there are now 0.6 billion followers of Pentecost? What happened? The seed was planted. But then he said... Same thing with me. He said, the divine healing movement, the revival is dying down. And he said, what is it? It's been a time of planting seed. He said, the word has now been planted. Now, so you have all kinds of seeds that are being sowed. You know, he even talks later about seeds of communism. He said, this nation has been seeded over with communism. Well, I guess you're seeing the harvest. Amen. What is it? You know why? We are in the time. 
We're in the time where in the pouring out of God's spirit that is now manifesting what was planted. So the Baptists will bring forth, you know, Billy Graham would bring forth the evangelicals and, and the Pentecostals under Oral Roberts would bring forth Pentecostals. But, but what, what kind of seed do you get? Billy Graham would come to say, hey, I can preach and I have a, a thousand people come to Christ and, and they come back and I can't find 10. He said, because denominational planting brings forth denominational children. Amen. But he said the word is going to bring forth the word. Somebody with me now? Amen. And he said, I I have planted a seed. I have planted the word for an end time harvest. Hallelujah. And he said, you're actually seeing your last sign before the promised son comes. But guess how the promised son comes? He does not come in the median in the air first. He comes in bride form first. Because there has to be a lamb of God on earth to match the lamb coming from heaven. So therefore, as the first forerunner said, behold the lamb of God. This forerunner said, behold the lamb of God. Because now there's a bride people on earth who is the wife of the lamb. And species must marry species and kind after kind. He's coming for the lamb of God. A people who demonstrate the Holy Ghost. But this time, this lamb is not gonna be sacrificed. This lamb is gonna be raptured for a wedding in the skies. Hallelujah. Amen. We've had all kinds of waterings, had all kinds of revivals. We've had all kinds of moves of the Spirit, but they've not been the latter rain. The former rain, Brother Branham said, was a teaching rain. Billy Graham struck the world under that. Pentecostal struck the world, and the Word has struck the world. So what's the matter now? She's been waiting, he says, for the latter rain. Pentecostals want more Pentecostals? That's what they're going to get. But the word is going to produce sons and daughters. Look at that great latter rain supposed to be done. How they would run over the wall, leap over. There'd be an army coming. Come on, he tells us in the church age, but she's an invincible army. That Satan is powerless before her. But he said she would run and leap over the wall. And Brother Benham talks about that wall. He said it's a wall between the natural and the supernatural. Amen. There are people that knows their God who does exploits. Now, as we look like this, remember, for years men have tried to manufacture a ladder rain. But he says the latter rain won't be just a little move here or there. It'll sweep the world. And when Christ has been completely rejected and the world has shut their doors to it, he said that's when he'll come. That's when he'll show, that's when you'll see a rain. And we're right here 
in the final rejection in the Laodicean age, the rejection of Christ, putting him on the outside of the church. Look at what America has done. She has rejected Christ. Look at, look, she's been sowed with communism until it's, it's everywhere that you look, Marxism going out in our schools, in our society, and everywhere that you want to look. Come on, church, you know that. Amen. Why? Why is it that's what was planted? Amen. But, but you know, there again, 6.6 billion Pentecostals, 0.6 billion evangelicals. You know, there's a multitude without number that goes into the tribulation that winds up at the great white throne judgment and God then will decide which one of them was really foolish virgins and what wasn't at the white throne. They'll be cast into tribulation. But I want to get to you. The word has been planted. And the next thing, and I'm going to leave you right here on this because I don't have time to bring it out. The next thing is the rain coming with rapturing faith. And I'm not talking about a theology where we're restored. We've had the teaching rain. Now let me just go for a moment. I just got a couple of more comments. In fact, of the matter is, we can go ahead and bring the musicians. And I'll show you that I'm serious about quitting. <laughs> but here's where we're at. I want you as a church to know, and I'm going to be reemphasizing this. We've had nearly now, since the prophet left, let's just say since the church ages. Many people don't know this. Brother Branham never realizes that Elijah is, fully realizes that Elijah is to come until he sees the last age of Laodicea and says it'll be Elijah. Only then does he start teaching that Malachi 4 will come to restore all things. And so with the beginning of the Elijah ministry, he said, not in the days of the preparations in the healing revivals, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he starts sounding his message, that's when the mysteries of God will be finished. And we have had now 60 years of teaching. We've been doing what Brother Branham called resting between revivals. You can go ahead and start playing something. That'll remind me to quit. (laughs) We've had nearly 60 years of teaching resting between the revivals. We've been given testimonies of the great things that Jesus did in the ministry of Brother Branham. You know all the stories. The possums, the squirrels, the storm. Had he right. You know all the stories of the blind man that is healed and Screaming out, extra, extra, read all about it, I'm healed. You know all the stories. You, we have, we've been testifying 
for a long time now. Look what God did. Oh, how great Jesus was. How he moved. Amen. Come on. And you know, as you go along, and the oars are going along, it isn't long till there's a few arguments in the boat. And the oars, the doctrines we were to use to kind of get us to the shore, you know, to move along, we begin to fight one another with. But all the while, Jesus is asleep in the boat. It's time to wake Jesus. I don't know if you looked out your boat window lately, but there's a big storm going on. It's on national strife. We're about to be bombed to smithereens. It's prophesied. Come on, church. Amen. We know that trouble is on every hand. Look at our educational system. Seeds have been planted so much until kids don't even know what gender they are. All of this stuff that's going on in this time, and like Abraham and Sarah... They receive revelation of the angel, the son of man, of Sodom's burning and judgment, Sarah's promise of restoration, the mystery of the promised son, the mystery of Lot and his salvation through the angel messengers. But I want to remind you again, there is a promise. And that promise is, I will return to you according to the time of life. That God has not abandoned his work. And he has not forgot you where you are right now. But here there is a promise, even like a Samson, of a new growth of hair and a return of power. Hallelujah, there is a promise of an Esther who knows her position and who she is. And I say to you this morning, yes, there's a wicked Haman. And he swore that he will hang you on that Haman, on his hang news but I'm going to tell you you've got a job Esther realize who you are and go before the king go tell the king go tell the king what this devil has been doing to you what he's trying to do with our young people seek them down in, in pornography or suicide devils and what he's trying to do to families and homes and how he's trying to wreck the church and pull them out go tell the king I want you to know Elijah has left but Elisha receives a double portion I want you to look at the type of Jesus the farmer in the latter rain poured out on Pentecost and the apostles we've had a word revival we've had great teachers that went forth Brother Biscoll what a man of God. Tremendous gift of God. Go out and preach. Evangelize. Get the message in people's language. Great works of teaching have been done. Brother Lonnie Jenkins. Many, many others, you know, teachers. We have reviewed and dis- dissected the mechanics. Fiddle-faddled with them over and over again. 
But I want to tell you, it's time for somebody to pull that car back down and drive. And for us to drive down to divine healing. We need healing in the church. Drive down to miracles. Drive down to signs and wonders. Drive down to the power of God. Because if we cannot have faith to even believe for divine healing, how are you going to have faith for your body change? you to look at your life today and say Lord we've had a word revival but I need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit today dynamics to come to the mechanics to make the word that I've heard live in my life amen for the dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost how many is ready for a refilling says in their heart today I want to be there Lord you're pouring out the latter rain the former rain has come the prophet messenger to bring the word has come but Lord pour your spirit out on me right now I need the rain in my life I need it in my heart God bless you